Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Products and or services which may be advertised during this program are not necessarily endorsed by the program. Prog Watch. Music that tells a story. With your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. Prog Squatch. Welcome back to Prog Watch, my friends. I am Big Tony, your host, and I thank you all for coming along for the ride once again. I have a great program lined up for you this week. An artist interview and feature show focused on the ubiquitous Dave Bainbridge. And I don't use the word ubiquitous lightly, as Dave really gets around. He first came to prominence with the band Iona, and has released several albums as a solo artist and collaborator, and with his own band Celestial Fire. Recently, he has also worked with Life Signs, The Straubs, The Downs Braid Association, and with Sally Minear, the multi-instrumentalist and singer who is daughter of Carrie Minear of Gentle Giant fame. So Dave and I had a long and interesting chat, and there's a lot of musical ground to cover. Therefore, I'm going to do two shows on Dave, part one this week and part two next. Before I dig in, I'd like to express special thanks to those who support the show on Patreon.com. If you enjoy Prog Watch and it has some value to you, I'd ask you to also consider becoming a patron of the Progressive Arts. Visit patreon.com forward slash Anthony Rousick or look for the support the show link at the top of the homepage at progwatch.com to learn more. Another free and easy way to help support the show is to help spread the word by sharing or retweeting my social media posts when you see them. It's just as easy as liking, but helps to potentially spread the word about the show to people in your circle of friends. Likes are nice, but shares can help spread the word. Let's get things rolling now with some great Iona music. From their second album, The Book of Kells, this is Matthew the Man.
Once again, that was Matthew the Man by Iona featuring Dave Bainbridge, Joanne Hogg, Dave Fitzgerald, Terrell Bryant, and Nick Beggs. That song comes from their Book of Kells album released in 1992. Now let's listen in on some of my conversation with Dave Bainbridge. Can I first just say it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the program? Yeah, no, it's uh, happy to be be here. All right, thanks. So uh, I always like to start off with, uh, you know, asking artists a little bit about their early history. You know, how did you first get into music? Uh, I understand you came from a musical family. Yes, that's right. Yeah, my parents were musicians and... Um, uh, my mum came from a family of seven children, and they were basically all musicians. And um, my my grandfather on my mum's side also, apparently he died before I was born, but apparently he was fantastic at playing the piano by ear, uh, which is interesting because I kind of I kind of picked up on that as well. Um, and then my dad uh, and my dad's brother were both musicians and had a, a band. Go right going back to the end of the 1930s, um, called the Bainbridge Brothers, and they were uh, from a, a region in England called uh, Teesside, which is quite a rural area. But they were featured on BBC Radio when they were still in their teens. Okay, uh, and then when my dad met my mum, my mum played the accordion and uh, she joined the band, and then my mum's sister, who was a fantastic singer, joined the band. So. Uh, my dad played guitar and banjo. My my uncle, my uncle Frank, um, played banjo, but he was also one of the, the first Hawaiian guitarists in the country, probably. Um, I've got a picture of him from, like, 1937 um, playing a, a lap steel guitar. And uh, I've still got one of his lap steels from the 1940s or 50s. So there's uh, lots of musical connections. And then my sister was, um, who sadly died in 1999. She was nine years older than me. Um, Sorry she to was hear a, that. Yeah. Yeah. I lost a, a brother, you know, so I understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But um, she was a fantastic blues singer. And uh, so we, we often did a lot of gigs together. And um, the, the good thing about my sister Maureen was when I was like eight and nine, um, I used to raid her um, vinyl. Uh, music collection and listen to things like Jimi Hendrix and blues albums and Jethro Tull and uh, or Fleetwood Mac, the Beatles and uh, the Woodstock album, which was a huge um, influence um, with all the various artists on that. So, um, yes, yeah, so I was listening to a lot of rock music um, at quite an early age, really. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned before about playing piano by ear, but uh, did, didn't you have lessons on piano? Yes, I did. Yeah, I started classical piano lessons when I was eight. But um, I think by the time I was about 11 or so, um, I really got into just uh, improvising on the piano and come up, coming up with my own ideas and, and compositions and that. So, um, uh, yeah, although I was um, okay at reading music and that, um, I was probably better at, at picking up things by ear. Uh, especially when it got to um, learning the guitar and learning solos off albums and that, which I'd um, kind of slow down, which you could do on vinyl albums, and then try and learn stuff note for note. Right, you could uh, play them at 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play 45s at 33. Yeah, yeah. 33s at 16 on our Yeah, album. and it dropped it down just exactly like, uh, what, yeah. like one full octave, basically. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. So I, I played. I played a little in my day. I know some of the old tricks. <laughs> yeah, long before um, you could do 
stuff like that on computers. Right, um, right. So, yeah. And then you picked up guitar around 13, huh? Yeah, so my dad, um, actually my dad was a, a guitar teacher at one time, um, so he taught me all the basic chords and everything. And um, he got me to listen to a lot of old blues guitarists, um, going back to um, uh, people like Lonnie Johnson. Um, uh, who was the other guy? Uh, well, a lot of a lot of guitarists from the kind of nineteen forties and that. Um, so that got me into um, listening to blues, and uh, he also um, got me into listening to a lot of jazz al- albums as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it wasn't, uh, that was basically after that, uh, more or less self-taught on the guitar, but up until I went to music college, um, and piano was my first instrument, and then um, I had um, actual proper guitar lessons then for, for a few years. Yeah, you went to Leeds College of Music, correct? Yes, and at the time it was the only college, uh, literally in England, that wasn't doing like a classical-based course. Um, so... Um, it, it was kind of this strange course called uh, Diploma Diploma in Jazz and Light Music, <laughs> whatever light music was. But, okay. Um, so, but it, it was basically a lot of people who were into rock music. It was somewhere they could go and, and kind of get a bit more education about harmony and um, just playing in different uh, um, ensembles and that. So it was, it was really good. There were... Um, it wasn't just jazz based, uh, although I learned a lot about jazz improvisation. Um, one one teacher I had, um, he was uh, called Pat Evans. He was absolutely, absolutely, well, kind of a wacky guy, but a, a genius as well. And he taught um, electronic music, so I learned about the basics of synthesizers and um, recording. And he had a, an ensemble called the Hyperspace Rock Orchestra, which he wrote, wrote music for. And uh, so I played synthesizer in that. It was all, all the parts were written out, and there were four of us playing synthesizer. And it was a, a full rock band and a um, small sing- string section and a like a brass section. And we do. He insisted we do gigs that all dressed in Greek togas. <laughs> so that, but that was a really interesting experience. And there were a few great musicians in that. Um, uh, there was a, a guy called Keith Airy on guitar. Who was a couple of years older than me? Um, he's the brother of Don Airy. Okay, yeah, from Deep Purple. Right. Um, and then there was um, Snake Davis on sax, who's since become like the most sought-after sax player in the country. Okay. Uh, playing with um, everyone, like from um, James Brown to um, Paul McCartney and, and stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there were, there were. It was like a small college. It was only 160 pupils in the whole college. And probably only about half of those were on the jazz course. So we really all knew each other well. So, um, uh, yeah, like when I went to the college, I was kind of one of the, the best from my previous sixth form college. Uh, but then when I got to Leeds, I was kind of <laughs> realized that I was a kind of a small, smaller fish then had a lot to learn. You still uh, managed to earn the BBC Radio, Radio 2 Best Jazz Soloist Award and the Sam Hood Rose Bowl for Outstanding Performance, right? Yeah, that was when I was in my third year, and I, I, by that time I'd done lots of practice. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. But, but there you also met some of your future Iona bandmates, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Um, well, not Iona bandmates, um, but I did um, work with. Um, there was a guy called um, Pete Fairclough who was a drummer there, and um, we subsequently formed a band called Plan B uh, with one of his friends uh, called Nick Fletcher, who um, is a really great guitarist. And um, we, we, yeah, we formed this band Plan B with my sister, and it was kind of, um, looking back, uh, quite a blueprint for the music of Iona in that uh, there was my sister singing. So it was a female vocal, mm. then half uh, songs, and then half long instrumentals. Um, in the style of kind of Yes and um, the Canterbury bands like Hatfield and the North. Um, but it was, this was at the beginning of the 80s, and um, uh, that kind of music was hugely unpopular <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up rehearsing for a year and not doing any gigs at all. Um, and it was only like about eight, eight or nine years later that um, I formed Iona when I met David Fitzgerald and then Joanne Hogg. And basically, we were, it was kind of similar music, but the, the added uh, ingredient was the kind of folk element that we brought, mm-hmm. um, which in the, in the time from when I left college to um, when we formed Iona, I really got into bands like, I, uh, like um, Clannad from Ireland, right? Um, who in the, the 1980s, in a way, were kind of the more progressive uh, element. Like the progressive bands had kind of basically stopped um as punk kind of came uh, in but um bands like clanad were, were doing something different and new i thought uh, fusing folk with um kind of rock and synthesizer elements and right. um so i became um really into them and, and then i'd been listening to folk music when i was a teenager as well but it was i wanted to incorporate acoustic instruments as well as the electric instruments once once we uh, formed Iona. I figured this might be a good time to take a break from the chat and hear some more Iona music. This one is called Woven Chord.
woven chord from Iona's fifth album, Open Sky, which was released in the year 2000. After our first short break, we'll hear more of my chat with Dave Bainbridge, more great Iona music, and some of his solo stuff. So stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do another song before we listen to some more of my chat with Dave Bainbridge. From his first solo album, Veil of Gossamer, this is Over the Waters.
Again, that was Over the Waters by Dave Bainbridge from his first solo outing, Veil of Gossamer, released in 2004. Now here's Dave talking a bit about his solo career and the formation of his Celestial Fire band. You had a good run with Iona, huh? How many years was the band together? Till about 2011? No, till 2016. 16, really? Oh, well, touring. I guess your last album. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, from... um yeah, we, we formed in 1989, and then um, uh, the last actual official release was the, the live double album, Edge of the World, which came out in 2013. Okay. Uh, and then we, after that, things kind of wound down um, because people wanted to do different things. So yeah, we, I, did, we did various gigs, but the last one, I think, was in 2015 or 16. Okay. So... Um yeah, like you said, everybody kind of went their own ways after Another Realm, the 2011 studio album. But yeah. as far as uh, making new music, but um, the Facebook statement from 2016 kind of said the door would remain open for future activities. So uh, six years on from there, how do you feel about Diana possibly reuniting? It's, uh, well, at this stage, I wouldn't say it's very likely, but but you never know. Uh, in in the pandemic, um, I had a lot of time um, to work on um, the Iona box set, the Book of Iona. So that was that was really good, and we um, basically uh, reissued all the studio albums. And for each album, uh, I compiled a companion disc of tracks to t- kind of tell the story of the making of the album. So the companion discs had um, uh, loads of audio from my kind of vast boxes of um of cassettes and dat tapes and um all kinds of um digital digital tapes and stuff um so uh, there's like a mix of unreleased tracks and demo tracks and tracks from rehearsals uh, and that was really great to put that together um and, and but we also did a one disc of new recordings of iona songs so although we couldn't meet in person because of the pandemic, right. I did collaborate with um, pretty much everyone uh, who's been in the band over the years on that. Um, and uh, we, we did kind of drastically new versions of, of Iona songs. So that, that was good fun. Um, so, yeah, so we um, never say never. But um, at, at this stage, I don't think um, there's the interest from you know, past members to, to actually all get together. Um, and it would be quite um, a costly thing, I think, as well, you know, to try and put a tour on. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, never say never. Yeah, I hear that a lot these days from artists about you know the cost of touring. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, we we were with Iona. We we toured um, probably mostly in in mainland Europe, and were very popular in countries like the Netherlands and Germany and um, Switzerland. Um, and we used to tour there in those countries every year. But um, since Brexit, uh, touring in mainland Europe has just become her- horrendously complex and mm. expensive because you have to have carnets and, and pay tax on merchandise you take in the country. And um, So actually, I've not played in mainland Europe since um, the last Dave and Sally tour we did in, in Germany in October 2019. Um, but we do have... Uh, with Life Signs, the other band I play with, we right. have one gig, one gig in um, the Netherlands in August. So we're hoping 
that that will actually you know happen okay yeah <laughs> because you, if you make any mistakes when you um, you have to basically every piece of equipment you're taking into Europe now from the UK you have to have a description of it the serial number the value uh, down to like the last guitar pedal wow uh, and uh, then this costs like 350 pounds I think so it, it's quite time consuming to put together and at any point they can check what you've got in your van and if there's something that's not there that should be there uh, they can basically stop you from taking the equipment in so wow which, which <laughs> which happened to a band I know actually fairly recently. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it can be a bit, um, uh, well, it will be a bit interesting. So hopefully it'll go. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So um, during the final years of Iona, you'd already, you had already embarked on a solo career and released some collaborative albums. Post Iona, you released your critically acclaimed Celestial Fire album and put together the band of the same name to perform perform the uh, diverse music from that album as well as music from Iona and your earlier stuff. Can you talk a bit about the uh, whole Celestial Fire period? Uh, yeah, so, um, well, I did my, my first solo album in 2004. That right, was right. And uh, I think that Joanne uh, from Iona was having, she wanted a sabbatical year at that point because she had um, two young children. Uh, but that gave me a chance to, to put, Veil of Gossamer together. And um, then, um, yeah, around the time I, uh, I did Celestial Fire, um, Iona wasn't working very much. So that, again, gave me time to um, put together another solo album. Um, and um, I could see that, um, you know, Iona kind of was, people basically weren't very available um, to do tours with Iona. Um, and after I'd released Celestial Fire, I really wanted to be able to pop, perform the music live and keep performing the, the Iona music as well because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it still stands the test of time. Um, so I put together um, the Celestial Fire band um, in order to be, be able to perform music from um, my solo albums and Iona. Um, and, um, yeah, basically it's... It was just a group of friends, pe people I knew who were great musicians, um, uh, including Sally Mania, mm -hmm. daughter of Kerry Mania from Gentle Giant. Gentle Giant, yeah. Um, actually, I'd, I'd known Kerry like the third, well, I've known him now for more than 30 years um, and often stay with him and Leslie uh, when we have a gig in their area. Um, but I first met um, Sally, I think she was still at school and she came back. One, when I was having a meal there one day. Um, and then a few years after that, she got the gig um, as the featured vocalist with the Lord of the Dance, uh, which was the follow-up to Riverdance that Michael Flatley put together, the big Irish dance extravaganza. Yeah. And um, uh, Sally had been to a music college and had been playing in a, a kind of Irish folk band in Manchester. Um, and... Um, I think apparently Michael Flatley came into this pub she was playing in and heard her singing and asked if if she would join the show. So that was pretty amazing. Um, but uh, Kerry, Kerry played me a video of um, her performing one of these songs on the show. And um, this was in about um, 2007, 2008, maybe. And um, I just loved her voice. It was, um, it was different from Joanne's, kind of a purer 
uh, voice, but really, really emotive and uh, beautiful. So um, I'd always had in mind that it would be great to work with um, Sally at some point. Um, and the added bonus with Sally is she plays like her dad, really. She plays loads of different instruments really well. Yeah. So as, as Celestial Fire, the band, was going to be part instrumental and part vocal, it was great to include some of her um, instrumental talents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we had my friend um, Dave Bronze covering other guitar parts. He's a great guitarist and uh, sings as well. And um, Simon Fitzpatrick from Carl Palmer's band on bass and Chapman stick. Um, and um, yeah, Frank Van Essen from Iona um, on drums and, and violin. Um, so at some point we want to get together again, um, you know, a bit more post COVID, I think, and when, when things have settled down and it's um, yeah, easier to predict what's going to happen as far as gigs and COVID. Yeah. Let's do one more Iona tune before we later shift our focus to more of Dave's solo and celestial fire stuff. This is Wind Off the Lake from Iona's The Circling Hour album.
Once again, that was Wind Off the Lake by Iona from their album The Circling Hour, released in 2006. Stay tuned through our second short break for more great music and more chat with Dave Bainbridge. Este es el mejor momento para preparar tu hogar para las fiestas y recibir a los invitados. Porque en The Home Depot encuentras ahorros de hasta 40% en baños seleccionados por Internet. Además de entrega gratis en todos los tocadores y grifos por Internet. Deja tu casa lista para esas visitas esperadas. Familia, amigos, vecinos y las inesperadas. Deja tu baño listo para las fiestas con ahorros de hasta 40% en tocadores y grifos en The Home Depot. Haces más. Logras más. Let's start the final segment of the show with a great track from Dave's Celestial Fire album, which was released in 2014. This is Love Remains.
Love Remains from Dave Bainbridge's Celestial Fire album, released in 2014. 
Now here's a bit more chat about some of Dave's more recent work with bands like The Straubs and Life Signs. Recently, uh, you became involved with The Straubs, Life Signs, and even the Downs Braid Association. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into those uh, different projects yeah. and what it's been like worth working with some of the uh, great musicians in those bands and projects? Yes. Well, I mean, uh, prior to Iona, I'd worked with loads of different people, um, including uh, Jack Bruce, um, the great Jack, late great Jack Bruce. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Buddy Guy, Gloria Gaynor, um, um, various other people. Um, and um, Iona kind of was pretty uh, all-consuming because um, not only was I um, uh, in, in the band, but I was writing a lot of the music and um, basically booking a lot of the gigs um, and with my wife at the time. And... Um, doing a lot of loads of the publicity and doing the newsletter. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of time um, when I was in Iona to, to really do much else. Um, in fact, um, I think in was it 2011 or 12, um, Neil Moss, a, a, a great musician from America, sure. asked, me, asked me to tour for six weeks with him uh, in Europe, but uh, sadly I couldn't do that because of a, a few Iona gigs that were already booked. Um, so uh, once Iona started um, basically um, stopping, and it was obvious in the last kind of year or so, um, it kind of freed me up to look at different options and uh, playing with different people. So um, uh, yeah, my friend Paul Bilutovich, um, who plays guitar with Carl Palmer, uh, was on tour. Uh, on a, this classic Legends of Rock tour in the UK, um, which had Wishbone Ash, the acoustics version of the Strobes, and Carl Palmer's band. Mm -hmm. and, um, Dave Cousins from the Strobes uh, asked Paul if he knew any good keyboard players because um, they had a, a tour with the full Strobes electric band coming up that um, uh, Adam Wakeman, Rick Wakeman's son, was a keyboard player for, but um, sadly... Um, Adam had to drop out because he was had a tour with um, uh, Black Sabbath at the time. So, yeah. so uh, Paul recommended me, and, and I went along to one of these gigs and, and met Dave and um, Chaz and um, uh, Dave Lambert, and we, we got on really well. And um, uh, after David finished the tour, he said, oh, um, can I come up to your, uh, your studio for a few days? Uh, I'm working on some new songs. And just wanted to to let you hear them because uh, David checked out Iona and uh, really liked the music and what I did um, with Iona. Um, so yeah, so he came up to my studio for a few days and we uh, ended up um, co-writing some stuff uh, that would become um, tracks, including the title track of the uh, Fairyman's Curse Strobes album. Mm -hmm. um, that was in 2015. Um, so yeah, we we worked together really well. Um, and the tour that I was supposed to do, actually, in July 2015, turned out to be uh, postponed because Dave had a, an accident and then was unwell for a while. Unwell for a while. Um, so um, it was like um, the beginning of January 2016 um, on the Moody Blues cruise in the Caribbean. That was my first gig with the band uh, in the end. So yeah, so but after that we did loads of, of touring um, around the UK and, and USA over the next um, four or five years. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, in fact, Dave's writing some new songs now. He's he, uh, earlier this year retired from touring for the foreseeable future, uh, just for health reasons. Mm-hmm. But but he's still still creative and writing. So um, uh, hopefully, there should be another Straub's album at some point coming out. Um, and um, it was the through the Straub's that I got to know John Young from Life Science. Life Science, yeah. Um, we we'd met briefly at um, a, a festival called uh, was it um, Rotherham Rocks. It was the it was a, a peculiar but really great um, small organisation in the north of England called, called the Classic Rock Society back in the nineteen nineties. And basically, they were responsible for a kind of a, a renaissance in progressive rock music uh, in the UK in the nineties. Um, they just uh, they had a magazine and uh, kind of created quite a following and put on loads of um, progressive rock gigs um, at various venues in, in this town of Rotherham. Um, and um, then started doing like a, a weekend festival. And uh, Iona were booked for that. We, we played for them several times. And uh, John Young was booked as a solo act um, on the day we were playing. Um, so I heard him play and um, thought he was playing and, and singing was great. Um, and we met very briefly, but that, that was it. Um, then um, fast forward to, I think it was 2016 or 17. And uh, I was on tour with the Straubs. And um, we were in a town called Birmingham. And um, in the sound check, one of my keyboards uh, just stopped working so mm-hmm. I uh, had to frantically I, I used two keyboards I had to frantically um, reprogram the whole set like in the hour before the gig to, so I could actually play it just from one keyboard um, but the following day we had a, a gig um, not far from where John Young lives and John had played in the Straubs for about two years so Dave Cousins said oh um uh, yeah, John. John lives near where we're playing tomorrow. I'll give him a call and see if, if he's got a keyboard we can borrow. Um, so, uh, sure enough, he, he had a keyboard, uh, which was perfect for the gig. And uh, um, so we we had that for the rest of the tour. And basically, after that, we just kept in touch and um, uh, just had hit it off really um, with all the similar musical influences um, that we had. Um, and uh, when it came to Life Science doing the second album, Cardington, um, I think it was around about that time that Nico, the uh, the guitarist, was uh, was leaving the band or just left. Um, so um, John asked me if I'd like to guest uh, on the album. So um, uh, yeah, I played on, on um, some tracks in that. Actually, quite a lot in the end. Um, and then um, once the band started touring again, um, John asked if I'd like to become a permanent member. So uh, uh, I thought that would be, yeah, good fun. And um, uh, it's been been great. And then the, the last album, Altitude, was kind of the first one we've done with this, well, actually, yeah, with this, the current lineup with um, New Drummer Zoltan, um, although we'd all, we all recorded our parts separately in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I think the band's really gelled with this this lineup, and we we get on really well, you know, when we're off stage, have lots of fun. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about where where things will go with Life Signs. Um, yeah. 
we, we just did two gigs on the cruise to the edge in the Caribbean, yeah. uh, playing on in, in the two main venues on the pool stage and um, the big theatre. And uh, it went down really, really well. So um, currently we're um, uh, looking to book a tour in the USA for um, the next year, probably around about April time. Fantastic, yeah. Actually, um, uh, because it's so expensive to get to the, the USA and, and tour because of the, like, you have to have visas and um, everything, um, uh, we reckoned it costs about, like, $15,000 um, just to, you know, um, before you actually do the tour um, wow. to, to get the visas and, and think about things like equipment hire and transport and flights and that. Um, but Life Science has got a really great following, and um, uh, we've managed to basically crowdfund the that money, um, which is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. So hopefully we'll we'll be over in the USA for a, a tour, probably around about between four and six weeks uh, at some point. Uh, so that's 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 going to be great fun. As far as I know, I don't think you have to have all the serial numbers for all your gear, and I don't think the uh, gear no. police will be uh, stopping the vans or anything. No, no, that's true. Once there, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Time is running a little short, so we really can't get into any of Dave's work with the Straubs and Life Signs this week, but I promise I will be covering some of that stuff and some of his more recent solo stuff next week in part two of this Dave Bainbridge feature. I've got one more track to take us out, but before I sign off, I'd like to mention my website, progwatch.com, and that's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H, all one word, dot com, where you can find every episode I have ever done, more than 500 of them counting my 101 Dimensions programs, as well as artist links, my social media links, and my email. If looking through more than 500 episodes seems a little daunting, you can search the site to find some particular band or artist you are seeking. Also, you can subscribe to the show if you'd like using a dedicated podcast app, and you can find a link to my Patreon page if you are considering supporting my efforts here at ProgWatch. And if you are considering supporting ProgWatch, well, bless your heart. Anyway, I'm going to let Dave Bainbridge take us out with our track called Until the Tide Turns which comes from his 2004 solo album, Veil of Gossamer. Until next week, be well and prog on, my friends. Until the 
hands full until the 